Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to 12 Stone, whether it's live here at the campuses. We're fired up, right? We're all ready for this. You're at 12 Stone Home, wherever you're gathering across the county, across the state and other states, across the world. So glad you're with us. And hey, we need Christmas joy. I mean, we could use a little bit of that. It's what Jesus came to bring. I bring you glad tidings of great joy. We all ought to say that together, even if you're just gathering in a home, 12 stone home, wherever you are at a campus, that word needs to be said with some enthusiasm. That's what the word carries. So let's do it together. I bring you glad tidings of great what? Joy. And, and yet, have you seen the, um, the COVID ornament? <laughs> it's quite fantastic. Did you get one of these? I got one of these, 2020. It's got the hand sanitizer. It's got the toilet paper. It's got the masks. In fact, we picked one of these up, and, and, and we have it for our Christmas tree at the house. It just sits there dead center like this just to remind us. Hey, you can't stop Christmas. No COVID is trying. <laughs> Though the Grinch tried, right? Satan tried. Tried to take out Jesus when he came when he was just an infant. I'm getting ahead of myself. See, in this season of Can't Stop Christmas, we're using a parable, like Jesus would do, to capture our imagination with the picture and then turn it to the truth, his word. Well, story today, the Grinch who stole Christmas. It's my favorite. Anyone? Anyone for whom that is like the favorite, absolute best? Yeah, you're, you're in the live chat. You can just say, what is your favorite? We, we, I love this. And, and I could read the Christmas, Grinch stole Christmas story for you. But there's no need because Travis has offered to give us an unnecessary recap. Take it away, Travis. Oh, hi. Welcome to Unnecessary Recaps with Travis Billman. I'm your host, Travis Billman. And today we're going to be recapping the book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. How the Grinch Stole Christmas is a story about a creature named the Grinch who is not particularly a happy fellow. In fact, he hates Christmas. But we find out right off the bat that the Grinch has a medical condition. His heart is underdeveloped, so it's not really his fault. And we also find out that the Who's were described right at the top as three things, noisy, gluttonous, and obnoxiously sing-songy around Christmas. I mean, who wants to live next to that? Well, the Grinch has it in his mind to steal Christmas from the Who's to make them more palatable neighbors. The problem is this, two wrongs don't make a right. Regardless, the Grinch decides to hop in the sleigh, slide on down to Whoville, pulled by his dog Max, who by the way is incredibly ill-equipped to pull a sleigh, and steal literally everything Christmas-related from their homes. Trees, decorations, gifts, food, everything. And at one point, he almost gets caught by a little girl who got out of bed named Cindy Lou Who. Now, you might assume from the movies that they had quite a conversation, but in reality, nope. She has one line, one line, and then she's back to bed. 
took a lot of artistic license in the movie with that relationship. Anyway, the Grinch speeds back home overlooking Whoville with all its Christmas trappings, waiting in anticipation to hear the weeping and the gnashing of teeth that will surely come when the Who's wake up and realize that Christmas has been stolen from them. But what does he hear instead? Music. That's right. The Who's are singing as though nothing has changed. And the Grinch realizes something that day, that Christmas is about more than gifts, decorations. It's about something inside. And in that moment, the Grinch's heart grows three sizes, which is called dilated cardiomyopathy and is a very serious condition. But he doesn't go see a doctor. Instead, he just heads right back to Whoville, gives them back all their junk, and gorges themselves on a meal right next to the Who's. And that's basically how the Grinch stole Christmas. Well, thank you, Travis. What do you know? It turns out that was unnecessary. So here we are in the story of the Grinch who stole Christmas. And, and all along, he's, he's stealing the trinkets and the toys and the treasures only to wait for the boo-hoo or the who. And what happens next? Well, to quote the Grinch of Dr. Seuss, every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presents at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. It's interesting that the whole point of the Grinch who stole Christmas contradicts the very title because he didn't actually steal Christmas. <laughs> he wasn't successful at all. The who's never boohooed. <laughs> and there was something for him to discover that is for all of us to discover. And if you discover it, it really is quite life-changing. If you're spiritually unresolved, you're hanging out with us at one of the campuses live. If you're at 12 Stone Home and you're spiritually unresolved, God will awaken something in you today about joy that is forever transforming. He has something for you today. Get in on this. If you're a follower of Christ, maybe you need to rediscover. There's only one point, one teaching point today. It's all there is. We'll spend the rest of the day on it. Real joy. Real what, everybody? Joy cannot be stolen. It can only be surrendered. Real joy cannot be stolen. COVID can't steal it. The Grinch can't steal it. Satan can't steal it. You can only surrender it. If you have lost your joy, it hasn't been stolen. You surrendered it. And you don't have to. Real joy, that is. 
And we're going to talk about real joy today. So we're going to sit in Luke chapter 2. If you have Bibles, wherever you are, you can, you can pull your Bibles out. You can get your phone out, phone app. I'm going to have it on the screen anyway, whatever works for you. And we're going to take a bit of a slower walk through the traditional Luke chapter 2 story of Christmas. And it's profound because you're going to learn in a fresh way that Jesus is the source of true joy. The source of true joy is who? Jesus. The source of true joy is who? Jesus. It's what we learn in this story. Because we all want joy. We all want to be happy. There's a story of a couple of gals how I want you to hear a little bit later in the service. Amy and Kelly. But, but right now, I just want to give you a moment of joy. It's kind of fun. They, during COVID, did a little video, posted it. And it went viral. When I say it went viral, I mean Fox News picked it up and did a story on them. I mean it hit 11 million views. I don't know what your views are lately, but that's pretty good. And it was just a fun moment during COVID where they did a spoof on getting fit because we're all getting fat during COVID. And what made it entertaining is they did that little thing where they put Amy's girls behind them and so her girls were the hands and then they're trying to eat. It's just, just good, clean, fun, and entertaining. I thought you'd enjoy at least 40 seconds of it. Check it out. What should we go for next? Okay, um, how about the strawberry? Okay. Um, we do have some light... Like, we, can we, can <laughs> we can do some ice cream. Yeah. Go easy, my friend. Really? Kelly, really? This is supposed to be serious. Look, we are gaining extra weight. <laughs> <laughs> Not the time. To be making a mess. I mean. Oh, God. <laughs> That's just good fun. And by the way, people like watching joyful people, don't they? 11 million of them did. And that's a hint for us. As followers of Christ, the joy of the Lord is one of God's greatest assets to draw people to himself. Display his joy. See, we all want to be happy. We all want joy. This Christmas... The sales of Christmas trees are booming. Decorations are, are, are just flying off the shelf. And, and one shop owner said in an article, people want to be happy and we sell happy. And by the way, that's the setup for Luke chapter 2. People want to be happy then too. And Rome, listen, this is simplistic but accurate. Rome was selling happy. In the senses of, of Rome and particularly Caesar Augustus was considered the source of joy. Now let's look at the scripture. In those days, Luke chapter 2, in those days, Caesar Augustus, we'll come back, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Galilee, of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Let's pause for a moment. I want you to see something, what Luke is doing, that you don't know if you were not in the culture in the time in which it was written. 
that when Jesus came to earth, he was literally the divine fulfillment of what Caesar Augustus pretended to be and what was happening at the time of the Roman Empire. So when the scripture starts out with Caesar Augustus, let me give you the framework. Caesar Augustus was the nephew, and here's a lot of history information. Caesar Augustus was the nephew of Julius Caesar, but he was adopted by Julius as his son. So therefore, for all practical purposes, he became the heir of the Roman Empire. His name was Octavian, but his name in 27 BC or BCE, if you prefer, was changed to Augustus. That's how he became Caesar Augustus. They changed his name formally. And it was more of a religious change, not a political or power move. Because the name Augustus means exalted, revered, listen, worthy of worship. That's what the name meant. In his 45-year reign, it was called the Golden Age of Rome, in which he was recognized, Augustus was recognized as the author of peace and the source of joy. I kid you not. Simplistically, but powerfully true. And since Julius Caesar, his uncle, was deified at his burial, keep listening. Because Julius Caesar was deified, Caesar Augustus was called the son of God. Is this starting to connect? Worthy of worship, author of peace, source of joy, son of God. So you start to, you start to hear what the culture knew was true when you said his name off the top. Furthermore, there was the gospel of Caesar Augustus. Gospel, literally the good news of great joy. That's what Caesar Augustus carried into the world. And there was an inscription. Let me just give you the historical fact. There was an inscription found in Preen, which is modern day uh, Turkey, referring to Caesar Augustus. And I'm going to give you a few of the lines from the inscription. Here's what it said about him. The most divine Caesar has brought our life to the climax of perfection. Who being sent to us, who being sent to us and our descendants as savior, as what? Savior. Has set all things in order, having become a God. See, when you read this, you just brush over. You don't understand culturally what's going on. Cult worship of the emperor was common in the day. And when you say his name, he was in the midst of taking a census that was to demonstrate all of the people who were under his reign and rule that he lorded over. And in the midst of the census, the real king showed up. It was better than that. The real king showed up. Amen. It's profound. While Augustus is elevating himself as great and good, the real great and good God shows up. Now there's political upheaval. It was not peace and joy for Israel. They were oppressed and Joseph and Mary were oppressed. And if you think we have political strife in modern day America in the midst of all this that we're in, it was worse for his parents. And the story continues. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, Jesus. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. 
So they have to travel now 90 miles walking. So she's about to have a baby. She's eight to nine months pregnant, probably nine months pregnant. Takes a week to do this journey. She doesn't get to have the baby around her mom and family. You would think that if God requires something of you for his sake and his kingdom, if you're going to be the, the virgin who gives birth to the living God and the Messiah has come, you would think God would at least make it easy, right? I mean, would you think like, God, ease up. This is already difficult. We think that about God all the time. If he's really with me, he's going to make it easy, which would make it joyful all the time. Happy, happy, happy. This was a grueling trip. She probably had a donkey, and that was difficult, and they arrived, and when they arrived, they thought they would at least stay in the spare bedroom of a family member, but they were all having to come to the areas and had to probably go out in a cave, most likely, where they put the donkeys. Now, there was great joy, but there was hardship. And the story continues. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I'll bet they were. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you what? Good news. This is gospel. I bring you the gospel. See, Caesar Augustus has his gospel, the Pax Romano. But, but now I am bringing you the divine, the ultimate, the real good news, the gospel, that will cause great what, everybody? Joy. Jesus is the source of joy. Great joy for all the people. Rome said, oh, we were for all the people. Of course they weren't. Jesus is. Today, in the town of David, a savior or what? Savior, here's the real Savior, has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, the true Son of God. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising, doing what? Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. See, what's not immediately obvious in the text is what Luke was doing is paralleling the human false sense of our great place as human beings being divine, which we are not, in control, which we are not. And the real Jesus, the real king shows up. And when he shows up, it is Christmas. I am the real God. I am the real source of joy. I'm the real son of God. I am the real savior. I am the real good news. I bring good news of great joy. I'm the only one worthy of worship. I am the true source of joy. This is why you'll find these kinds of teachings throughout Jesus's words. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. And here he goes. So I have told you this so that my what? Look at this. I just brush over it. So that my joy, that means God's joy, the divine joy, the joy of the living God who created you joyfully. My joy may be in you. The joy of the living God in you. That your joy may be complete and full. Phew. See, real joy comes from Jesus. It comes from being restored to your Father in heaven. And it cannot be stolen, not by COVID, not by the Grinch, not by the devil. You can only surrender it. So don't surrender your joy. Everybody got it? All right, that's the first half. You got to have that, or I can't go teach the rest. Everybody got it? Okay, got the first half. 
Now let's talk about this, because there are things that steal our joy, S-T-E-A-L. There are things that seem to steal our joy, and then we have to steal our joy, S-T-E-E-L. Yes, it's a play on words. Just go with me. All right, let's talk on the first part. What steals your joy? I can tell you mine. I mean, you can tell me yours too. You know what steals my joy? When the thing I feared comes upon me, right? Wait, that's how Job said it in the Old Testament. The the thing I feared has come upon me. It's undoing my life. When circumstances work against you, when fear gets a grip on you, doesn't that begin to steal and drain your joy? Hardship. It's part of what COVID is doing. Uncertain finances, unclear future. You don't really know know if if the dreams that are now delayed are ever going to come about. Loss of health, a mess in your marriage, conflict in meaningful relationships, sorrows and setbacks. That that kind of uh, look a fire in your a fire at your house. Man, you catch your house on fire. That and that happened. Remember earlier, I told you that 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 whole Amy and Kelly really cool video that went viral. Well, well, let me back up. How did they end up together there at the house? I'm glad you asked. It's a God thing. See, Amy is a 12 stoner. Their family lives next door to Kelly. They're friends. Kelly's house caught on fire. That is not good. But it ended up bringing the families together. And God ended up using moments like worship in 12 stone home to draw Kelly to himself and transform her and bring her the joy of Jesus. But why should I say all that? I'll let them tell the story. Listen. Hi, I'm Amy Steele. My husband is Shane and we have three kids. And my name is Kelly Lukenda Ely and my husband is Michael. And we have two boys. We had a house fire, which was very traumatic. And she called me in the middle of the night and it was scary. We we're supposed to be all at home and not be around people. And I told her, you're moving in with us. So nine of us, it was a full pretty house. a full house. <laughs> and we made it a um, tradition that every Sunday we watched 12 Stone Home, ate breakfast together as a family. And we know one, t- one day Kelly had come to me in the kitchen and she had tears in her eyes. I just, I felt like that God did all of this for a reason. Um, how everything played out was through him. Um, you know, when the quarantine happened, I was, you know, told that my babysitter couldn't watch my boys anymore. And as a full-time working mom, um, being on Zoom calls all day, I didn't know what I was gonna do with two boys, um, especially a newborn at home right. <laughs> trying to work. Um, you know, the fire happened and then, you know, we moved in with you guys. and. They were. We called it organized chaos. (laughs) Lots on digital learning and a newborn, and it was it was fun. We made it work. That's kind of how we described it, though. So, uh, I did notice one day Kelly had a heavy heavy burden on her, and I could see it in her eyes. And um, she said she needed to go for a run, and I was I said go, yeah, absolutely. I went for a run, and that was the day I fell on my knees and I surrendered to him, and I said, "You have me." You have all of me. I love you. And it was the best, it was the best moment ever. Come on. God deserves praise. You're a 12 stone home. Y'all can put a little thank you, God. You can put a little clap. Don't feel awkward. 
This is all, one more time. God did that. God transformed his soul. And what does all of heaven do when even one gets right with God? Woo! Woo! That, that's who God is. That's what he does. I mean, you have a fire in your house and you're under COVID and all this is crashing and he's just so depressing and so frustrating and fear set in and you're so discouraged and hey, we all know what that's like in our own story. And only God can take a house fire and then put a new fire in your soul for him and give you the joy of Jesus. Only God can use something bad and turn it to good. It's the grace of God. We're in this vision 2021. Oh, come on. Let's be honest. A year ago, we're all this. We've cast vision. We're going to vision 2021, which means during 2020 and 2021, here's what we're going to do. I know y'all think, don't you know these things? Doesn't God tell you stuff ahead of time? Not really. Sort of. Sometimes. Most of the time, it leaves me in the same dark you're in. He just gives light for the next moment. And when we cast vision and we said, we believe that God's going to do something fresh and new in his kingdom across this country. And we think there's a, a movement of God where more people will come to faith outside the physical walls of the church building because God's going to mobilize his sons and daughters with his joy. And you're going to take that to the world around you. And pe more people will come to faith outside the walls of the church than inside the walls. We think that's coming in the coming years. Well, who knew COVID was coming? I'm not prophetic here. Usually a little pathetic. But, but listen... 12 stone home, God's usually looking. We have more people gathered in 12 stone home outside physical buildings today than we did a year ago. Imagine that. And people are coming to faith in Jesus. God is, God is not slowing down what he's doing in the kingdom. In church, we're not either. We're not waiting. We're here to see God transform souls, families, and communities. We're joining him. Kelly, you are so delightful. We're, we celebrate the grace of God in your life and the joy of Jesus that you have. That's what, that's what Christmas Eve is about. Church, listen, let, let the mission of the kingdom of God land on you with fresh conviction today. And let's mobilize. Don't get casual. It's not just, oh, COVID, Christmas, this isn't what we think. Okay, I get it. But we have the joy of, our, of the Lord, which is our strength. And we have a world full of people who don't know that joy. And, 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 and fading worldly joy isn't going to do it. You, look, if your only joy is the stuff you buy, that can be stolen. But if you have the joy of the Lord, that can't be stolen. So this Christmas Eve, we're going after it. What, what do I mean by that? You invite people in. Maybe they want to come into, into the campus, into a building physically. Great. Sign up, register, be a part of it. But most, most will do 12 stone home. Maybe they'll do it on their own as a family. Maybe they're spiritually unresolved. And the whole point is that you would help them join in the Christmas Eve service. I'm going to tell you how we're doing it. The fourth children's Christmas story this year is not an old traditional book that you would read. It is a new tradition and a new book. And some of you have already received this in the mail over the weekend. The book is a 12 stone original book. We published it for Christmas Eve. It's my place on the tree. It is the story of an ornament who got lost from his creator and then found and restored to his place. It is really a beautiful, simple, childlike overview of the Bible. 
the story of us being created by God, being lost, how we fight for our place, and then being found and finding our place. At the end of the story, the very last page, it tells what the gospel is. Jesus came to find and save those who are lost. When you belong to Jesus, you are a new creation. Your past is forgotten and everything is new. What you see on the screen is this 12 stone website. You can't, can't stop Christmas. And this can't stop Christmas is really your invitation. And, and you can take this physical book that some 12,000 families have already received. If we had your information, we send it to you. And this becomes your tradition, but it becomes more than yours. It becomes everybody else's. You can just walk this across the street and physically hand it to someone and then come on the 20th and, and get another book. We, we got more. We intend to give as many as we have available on Christmas Eve to any and all. But you don't need to. It's digital. You can see that it's, the book is digital. So everybody doesn't have to physically have the book. And this may be the first time that a family would sit down on Christmas Eve because the circumstances of COVID and let a child's story be the entry, but let the story of Jesus be the end point. And more people find the joy of Jesus like Kelly. How about that? Shouldn't we be doing that together as a church? Let's go get this. This is our mission. This is our calling. This is why we're here. Let's not get casual and, 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 and almost sloppy and lazy at Christmas. We have the joy of the Lord in us. And if you are far from Jesus, if you're spiritually unresolved, we have no hesitation to say to you, there is a joy greater than what this world has. And the Caesar Augustus of this world is making promises they can't deliver on. There is nothing in this world that is the author of peace and the source of joy. Only in your heavenly Father, through Jesus coming, you can be restored to him. And he will put a joy in you that is his joy, and that joy is forever. Get after the gift of God. He's calling you. He's drawing you. And church, we're on, we're on mission here, right? We're on mission to transform souls, families, man, families, we, we, marriage, we, last year we launched into vision 2021 we launched re-engage. Does this stuff of COVID shift things? Sure it does. Marsha and I, we're not being idle. Just so you know, we're not idle in anticipation while building the vision to, to transform families and particularly marriages. We did a book deal with the publisher, wrote a book, finished it last March, sent in the manuscript. If you know how the book thing works, it takes forever to get that stuff done. The book is coming out Valentine's Day of 2021. We're fired up about getting that to you. We just did the audio book this past week. The title of the book is The Second Happy. Seven practices to make your marriage better than your honeymoon. Why is it the second happy? Because everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants joy. When Marcia and I got married, we were happy. I fell in love with her. She fell in love with me. It wasn't long in our marriage, and we weren't happy. That's real marriage. We call it after the honeymoon. But a whole lot of marriages get stuck in that. We treat our marriages like we do our houses. We fall in love with them. We buy them. But then after a while, we experience all its flaws. It wears out, and we just trade it. But the new thing these days is to renovate. Renovate the same house you have, and when you do, you fall back in love with it. It's the second happy. 
And that can happen for marriage. God designed marriage to find its second mature, life-changing happy. And we share seven practices of how you get to that. God is going to transform marriages. And that's what we get to do together as a church. So we're fired up about going after this. Now, I'll admit to you that it's kind of messed up with COVID. And we can't do the things we plan to do. But then we're doing other creative things. We were talking with a publisher this week. And they said, uh, by the way, this is going to break down for you. I said, what do you mean? I said, well, when you launch the book, you, people aren't gathering like they normally normally do COVID if it's still in play and it seems risky. It's not like you can order all the books and have available for your church for the launch of the series on Valentine's Day. I said, why? That's unfortunate. I said, but you listen, you just have to tell the people if they want a book, you got to order it now. You have to pre-order. Okay. I, I don't understand all the publishing stuff, but if you want the book, when we launch into Valentine's Day, go get the book. And let me push a pause right here. Let me stop. Maybe you don't know this. I've said this before. We make no money on this. That's not true. We make money on this. We give 100% of it back to 12 Stone for Vision 2021. Not 10%, 100%. This is our third book. We have never made a penny or a dime on any book we have ever done. Ever. Ever. Anything that comes to us, we give back. Because we're not trying to figure out how to, how to make money. We're trying to figure out how to be a part of God transforming souls, families, and communities. So listen, you, I, I want you to have the book. You want to have the book, but just get on either Amazon.com. Tostone doesn't sell the books. We don't have, we're not a bookstore. You get on Amazon.com. You get on Walmart. You get on any bookseller, and you pre-order it now to Christmas. Get it for yourself. Send it to somebody else, and then it'll come to you by Valentine's Day. That's just the COVID world that we're in. And I think, I think that whether you're getting engaged or, or whether or not you're married and stuck or whether or not you're miserable or whether or not it's awesome or whether or not you're a midlife crisis in your marriage or emptiness or wherever you are on the journey, God's going to use this to transform marriages. And why would we, why would we make money and give it back? It's to transform souls and families and communities. By the way, we're doing this transform community stuff together as a church. This is awesome. That Jambo stuff is fantastic. We launched the COVID season going after knockout hunger. Here's a timeout on the knockout hunger thing. People are like, why aren't you still going after knockout hunger? Because there's facts that you might not know and want to know. Normally, in Gwinnett County, for example, just Gwinnett County alone, there's about $6 million that gives, gets given annually to and through charities to help people who are disadvantaged. $6 million. The Federal Government Cares Act infused $190 million during COVID into Gwinnett County for charity. So the need for knockout hunger has been cared for. In 2021, we'll go right back to it. You understand? So we're going after things like Jambos, technology, Wi-Fi, and things to help people in disadvantaged places to transform communities. Look, COVID didn't play out like we thought. Nobody saw COVID. Kelly didn't see a fire coming in her house. A lot of delayed plans that you and I have in life. But that doesn't change that God can take things that seem fear-filled and turn it for good. A house fire can bring the joy of Jesus in your life. Those are the things that steal joy. But the next question is, how do you steal? Yes, I mean that on purpose. Steal, that is harden. How do you, how do you stabilize your joy so that it can't be stolen, so that you don't surrender? How, how do you settle that in your soul? Well, it's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. I'd like to answer it. <laughs> and I'll just do that with a confession. If you go in my journal, you will find occasionally a prayer in there that is not really impressive. It's a children's prayer. So I just might as well own it. It's been prayed and put in my journal. 
God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. In Jesus' name, amen. And you think, wow, you've been doing this a long time. You're supposed to be spiritually somewhere. Some of you are writing me off like I knew it. I knew it. He just, he just is not the spiritual giant we thought he was. Here's what I've discovered. That when big things try to steal my joy, I have to turn to the big truths of God to S-T-E-L, steal my joy. Or I will surrender it. God is great. Say it with me. God is great. Say it with me. God is great. Again, God is great. When we sing about the greatness of God, when we read about the greatness of God, we're taking moments like King Nebuchadnezzar had in the Old Testament, who acted like he was Caesar Augustus. And God humbled him. And here's what he said at the end of his humbling. I praise the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? See, our God, Jesus, God in human flesh, the one who came at Christmas is not Caesar Augustus great. Caesar is just a footnote of history. He was never divine. God is eternally great. He has no equal. And that is why we rejoice in him. When we sing rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. We are practicing. To soak in the greatness of God. That's what. Paul meant in the Holy, when the Holy Spirit inspired rejoice. And Lord, always I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with what? Thanksgiving. We'll get to that. Rejoice with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. The things that weigh on you, your fears and the like. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. With his joy. He is the author of peace and the source of joy. It's who he is. God is great, which means, listen, he is greater than your fears. And we have him. He's greater than your circumstances. He's greater than your setbacks. God is great. He's greater than your marriage mess. He's greater than your financial hold. He's greater than your hardships. He's greater than your sin. He's greater than your failures. He's greater than your foolishness. He's greater than your delayed dreams. He's greater than your uncertain future. He's greater than the Grinch. He's greater than the devil. He's greater than death. Our God is great. And you need to know how great he is. Or you will surrender your joy. Because your problems will seem greater than God. God is great. And God is good. There's a pastor, Doug Ponder. I read one of his articles and I was intrigued. His statement was insightful. Here, here was his quote. The greatness of God without the goodness of God isn't Christianity. It's fatalism. That's true. Better said in the Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord for he is what everybody 
good. His love endures forever. God doesn't merely do good. He is good. And Christmas was the demonstration of his amazing love for us. Not because we're good, but because he is good. And he made us good again. Restoring us through the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to cover our sin. Thanks be to God, he is good. Now listen, sometimes things are, are, are bad, like a fire, and God turns it to good. Sometimes you have a moment where things are good, and it's old joy, and, and then they go bad. <laughs> Jason Berry teaches with me. <laughs> he was telling me a story, and we'll, we'll wrap with this. It's just a fun little story. He was 17 years old. He was a waiter up in, in, in uh, Lake George in New York State. And, and he was running a shift from, from 10 a.m. to like dinner time or after dinner. So it was a long shift. He didn't have any money. He didn't have any food. He keeps serving the food. And he's getting hungry. And, and, and late lunch, this Italian family, just huge, massive number of people, Italian family said it looked like the mafia. They ordered more entrees than they had people. And there was so much food. And he said, I kept an eye on the steak. I just kept an eye on the steak. And he said, and they only touched it just a little bit. And I'm like, oh, joy. And I had to clear the table, and that steak was calling to me. I was like, dude, don't tell me. So I took the steak, and I'm clearing the table. I take it to the back. And he said, and I, I tore into that steak like a, a starving dog. I mean, I just, as much as I could really quick, and set it back down. I'll come back later, and I walk back out, clear myself, to keep clearing the table. And the head of the family, hey, son, come here. It's like I walked away, yes, sir. Uh, that steak, my wife would like that wrapped up in a doggy bag. Oh, snap. Well, we all know Jason's dead. I mean, it's over. This is Italian mafia. You're done. But because God is good, he let Jason live. The guy said, don't worry about it, son. I don't know if that's how he said it, but you get the idea. And Jason lived because God knew we needed Jason. So here's the part that bothers me. Who would touch a steak somebody else was eating? I just want to know, how many of you would never do that? You would never touch that? You think that is just gross? And you, I would never, okay. How many of you are like, I would if I were hungry enough, I'd take it? Well, there you go. Joy to the world. Whatever is your style. Listen, God can take things that seem, oh, joy, and become, oh, snap, but you give him time. He will prove to be a gracious God, so give thanks. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him. Listen, the reason you need to thank God is because the weight of problems get bigger and God gets smaller. And when you praise him and give thanks, God rises to the size he is and your problems get smaller. And we surrender joy when our problems are bigger than God. And when we praise God, God gets bigger than our problems. This is no children's prayer. It's a transforming prayer. COVID cannot steal your joy. The Grinch cannot steal it. Satan cannot steal it. But you can surrender it. So don't. Bow your heads with me. Let me pray over us. Father, you have promised that you would give us your joy. Right now, I pray for all those who are like Kelly when the house burns 
and they, they're spiritually unresolved. They don't even know if they believe this, but you're about to help them and you are helping them discover how much you love them and that their joy, real joy, is found only in you. May they discover it. I pray for those of you who are in that place. Equally, I move over here and I kind of pray, Lord, for all those who know you. And, and, and there are things that are, are stealing our joy, and they shouldn't. We're really surrendering. So God, would you, by your spirit right now, for a whole would receive it, I, w- I, I would pray the scripture over them. May the peace and the joy of God pour in you. That's what Romans tells us. Pour in you and fill you. Freshly, may your joy rest with us. May we be carriers of the joy of Christ. And help many others come to know your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.